Newsbreak, Lotus FM, powered by SABC News. And it is Saturday. A very good afternoon to you. This is Newsbreak Talk with me, Talisha Naidu. I'm standing in for your regular Taresh Hari Pashad today. And we are talking about drugs, whether it's substance abuse of alcohol, if it's a medication, painkillers that you're addicted to. We're talking about it all. And we're talking about it being now a family business. And joining me in studio to discuss this is none other than Sam Pillay, the director of Anti-Drug Forum. Very good afternoon, Sam, and thank you for joining us. Good afternoon, Talisha. Thank you for having me. Well, as we mentioned, uh, drugs has become a growing epidemic in South Africa. New research finds that with heroin, also known as sugars, quietly taking over both major cities and small towns in the country. Now, this is according to a new policy brief by the Enact Project based on research on the ground interviews as well with drug users and drug dealers across the country. We're asking you today, what is your take on this? What is your take on substance abuse becoming a family business? We know there have been many arrests where there have been mothers, fathers, grandparents, people as old as 71 years old being arrested for dealing drugs. What is your take on it? You can let us know that number to send me a message is 071-613-7803. And the number for you to call us in studio is 89 we have Newsbreak Talk producer Rachel Vardy, who's manning the WhatsApp line as well as the telephone line today. So you can let us know what you think of this topic, which we're discussing in studio. So as we mentioned, drugs becoming a, a family business. And before we get into any of the messages or calls or some of the interviews that we've conducted on Newsbreak Talk, Sam, what's your take on this? Because I know you've recently even written an article about it. Um, you know, it just be turning into from an individual drug dealer to now a, a legacy, a family tree of drug dealers. So tell me more about that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, well, firstly, drug dealing is like a pyramid you know, um, like a corporate business, right on the top, we have a CEO or and managing director. And then as you go down the pyramid, in the middle, you'll get the packages and the distributors. And further down on that pyramid, you will get the actual sellers of the drug, the dealers themselves, where they operate from. They operate mostly operate from homes, their own homes. And right at the bottom of the pyramid is the actual users. So... Just above that uh, pyramid from the bottom end is where the actual drugs are sold, um, where the dealers are actually operating in the residential areas, where the users are purchasing the drugs from, from ordinary people. They look so ordinary, you know, like your neighbor who could be a drug dealer. Um, mm. And it's amazing how some of those houses are in operation of that business is in operation for more than 30 years so it is passed on from generation to generation or if the main dealer is now on the top of the pyramid as ceo he has his children involved you know and and they do different sections of the business you know one will be distributing one will be selling and mm. and it's well organized well structured that will depend on the size of the dealer as well and uh, there are different sizes, you know. There are some guys that have been in this business for for many, many years. Like I said, more than 30 years we know of people that have been there. And another amazing thing is, you know, we have people dying as well. You know, they have to die with old age or mm. get shot in the drive-by shooting. And you think that business will be dead. It doesn't happen. Somebody else will take over that business and continue with it. And that's been the case because we've seen many such instances where alleged drug dealers, as they're known, as we report them as, you know, passing on. And then we see on social media messages that we receive when we report on this case of people saying, you know, uh, good riddance. Uh, This person Mm. killed so many lives and now Mm. they're paying for what they have. But. As you're saying, they're leaving a legacy of drug dealers yes. behind. Yes. And it's becoming very dangerous. You, Sam, being with the director of ADF uh, and you being on the ground, helping police, speaking to community members, speaking to drug addicts, sometimes interacting even with drug dealers. Yes. You would know, and, and as you mentioned, and I picked up that you're saying some people dealing within 30 years mm. in a community 
where there's a family dealing drugs, why is it that neighbors aren't reporting this? Community members aren't coming through and saying, listen, this is what, what is happening. For different reasons. Uh, the most important one is fear, intimidation. Um, people rather just lay low for fear of being victimized or even shot at and, or killed. Uh, there were cases like that as well. The other thing is that the drug dealers themselves become very popular in the community. It's quite amazing how this works and how do they do that? Mm. Um, they will be giving hampers during Diwali or Christmas. Uh, they'll be, if somebody dies, they'll be providing the food and the tent or paying for the funeral expenses, you know, if somebody is poor or mm. pay electricity bills in the area. So they become known as the guys to go to if you're in trouble, mm. you know, to, to solve your, your economic issues. So they buy favor from the people like that. So those guys are not going to tell on the drug dealer. You know, they actually help him. They actually store his drugs as well. So it's difficult then uh, to get rid of him in, in that area because he's people's friend. Yeah. And, and people don't want to, to touch him anymore. He become like part of the community and he is protected. And it's kind community. of building that legacy and that family tree. I mean, it's Absolutely. not blood relation, but it's still growing. Absolutely. Let's look at, at INACT. We, we spoke about them and they were, re, you know, conducting some research in South Africa. And there is, if while I was actually doing research for this program, there is not much research that's done. Mm. But INACT revealed some of the research and they said that drug dealers are making as much as five to seven thousand rand a day. Mm from South Africa's growing heroin epidemic. Now, it's heroin. Some people know it as sugars. Some people know it as wunga. Five to seven thousand rand a day. Mm, that's it, a small guy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what is the big guy making? <laughs> Millions. Millions. Like I said, the pyramid, you know, the bottom of that uh, pyramid will be the small mm -hmm. guys, the runners. Um, one runner will get one bag to sell. Um, that will be like thousand rand worth. And w once that finishes, then he go to the dealer and get another thousand rand worth. You know, once he cashes in, he does that a few times a day. And and the dealers will have many of such runners in a mm. busy spot. So there's different um, categories of these dealers. The seven thousand rands will be uh, they're not the very big. The guys. small fish. Yeah, the small fish. The big guys will be making. Hundreds of thousands. Colin Chetty on WhatsApp says uh, that's due to drug dealers marketing themselves well. They're getting involved in community projects. And yes. that's just what you said, you know, paying for funeral expenses, buying hampers, Diwali hampers, Christmas hampers. That's coming through from Colin. Uh, we have Rajan Rajkumar who says, what is the root of this drug scourge? He says, in his opinion, it's unemployment, uh, emotional circumstances, social, financial issues. He says drug lords and dealers are elevated to such a level that they are revered. And the youth aims to emulate them in some sort of way in terms of living their lifestyle. Uh, in your opinion, what would you say is the root of that drug scourge? All of the above. Mm -hmm. it, it hit the nail on the head for everyone. But the other one is lack of understanding, lack of knowledge. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're trying to fill uh, as ADF as well, you know, especially with learners growing up. Um, lack of understanding addiction, lack of understanding the consequences of it. You know, a lot of people believe that, hey, we can just try this thing, we'll get a high and then we'll just stop it, you know, when we want to. But they don't realize that if you do certain drugs, you get mm -hmm. addicted very quickly. So that's a problem. And uh, yeah, with the other factors that you mentioned as well, you know, the unemployment and um, peer pressure as well is the other one that uh, wasn't mentioned that um, list that we had just now. But yeah, all those all those factors are contributing factors to this drug addiction. We'll get to peer pressure in a moment, Sam. But as uh, one of the points Rajan Rajkumar also mentioned was the social circumstances mm. and personal experiences. And we can speak about that, what we may have seen or what we have heard or what we've worked with from outside of, of, of the glass house. But I managed to speak to uh, a 42-year-old named Jayasila Naidun. He's from Chatsworth, who started taking drugs in 2012 after his wife had divorced him. Naido is now a car guard and he speaks to us about his journey. So yeah, I had no place to stay then uh, I finished off on the streets and then I started joining uh, guys and then got into drugs. Uh, my wife and me had arguments and then I, I've been in prison and then from prison when I came out, I came out on the streets and I had nowhere to go. So I went straight to drugs. What has been the worst that you've ever done? Sometimes it drove me to stages uh, to go into people's yard and steal. 
car guard. People give me clothes, I sell them. I sell even my own clothes to get drugs. And your family, are you in touch with them? Yeah, I've I got two kids. My son is 17 and my daughter is 14. Yeah, but uh, I will see them once in a while. And I don't like to see them in a, when I'm in the state like this. Uh, it's very difficult. My mother-in-law, she's... Uh, she looks after them. And your wife, do you keep in no, contact with no, her? No, she's, she's on her own. Have you ever tried to give up drugs? Never, never, never tried. But I, I'm, I'm willing to get, take a chance to give it up. Yeah, but the people say it's difficult. But once you've got the medication, it, it controls them. It helps you. Is it very easy to get drugs? Yeah, very easy. Yeah, maybe on 10 people selling it. Do you want him to stop? Yeah, I mean, just hoping that I can go to a rehab, rehabilitation center and stop smoking. Just for my kids' sake. I miss them, and every day I miss them. I was so close to my children, now I'm so far away from them. For children now who are experimenting and taking drugs, mm. your advice to yeah, Never, never to try it, never, ever. It's a very bad thing, uh, especially uh, this heroin. It's very bad, honestly. How easy is it to get hooked onto it? It's very easy. Your first fix, you hooked on it. Like if you don't have it in the morning, you cannot work, you cannot walk. You get uh, symptoms, sneezing, back pain. So you have to have it. It's like a matter of you have to have it. It's a, it's a medication, like a medication. If you don't have it, you can't work. And that was J.S.C. Lenido, a 42-year-old drug addict living now in Chatsworth. He is a car guard and he started taking drugs uh, in 2012 after a divorce. Sam, you're hearing what J.S.C. Lenido is saying and he says it's so hard, it's so difficult to give it up because you have body pains and it's, it's, it's just kind of impossible. Mm. Dealing with, with some of the cases that you do, is what J.S.C. Lenido is saying correct? Absolutely. That's an... The normal story of thousands of people who are on drugs, you know, they have an issue, they look for an escape route and they find the drug is the escape route. And like you said, you know, one hit, two hits and you're hooked. With heroin addiction, it's, it's highly addictive. Heroin is highly addictive and you can't stop it. And those pains that he's talking about, those are withdrawal effects. Mm-hmm. When the drug wears off, you know, after the last hit at night and he goes to sleep, when he gets up in the morning, he wake up with these withdrawals. Mm. Effect and it's very very painful. One girl described it right here in the studio a few years ago as plunging a knife in the back and twisting the knife. That's how serious the pain is. So it's not negotiable that he has to smoke in the morning again to get rid of those pains. Mm. Or before the pains uh, onset, he has to get the smoke quickly. That's why in in the morning when suddenly get up before even brushing the teeth or having breakfast, they all be aligned to the drug dealers to have that first fix to avoid this uh, to relieve the pain. Yes. So. That's why also in the mornings all the criminal activities happen because they don't have money to buy this. Like somebody said, Mm. they will go sell the items, they will jump over the fence and steal clothes off the line early in the morning. It happens every day. Mm. It happens every day where we have this uh, substance abuse issue. So they have to get that money for that fix in the morning. It's not negotiable. J.S. Elin's talking about, you know, he wish he had the money to afford the medication for him to stop. Talk to me about that medication. I know you do administer it. There is medication out there to help with these pains that you have in terms of withdrawal uh, symptoms. Talk to me about that and that medication. Okay. You see... I think you mentioned he's living in the outside. Uh, we call them outers. They have their own community. Mm-hmm. All these guys that are thrown out of the houses because the parents or spouses cannot uh, manage them anymore because of them stealing their uh, goods at home, they all end up sleeping together in a bush somewhere. There are different points in Chatsworth and surrounding areas that we have hundreds of these guys actually congregate. They have their own community going there. It's, it's very interesting as well. Um, not everybody in that group is ready for rehabilitation. We did this, you know, when we did um, put shows together. We went there and, and offered all of them know me. They know where we are. And I, I said, guys, come tomorrow morning to the EDF Center in, in uh, Road 602 or 17 Tisla Avenue. We'll make a plan. How many things turned up the next day? Nobody. Because they were all comfortable as outers in the bush at that time. Mm-hmm. So... They, they enjoy that kind of community. But sometimes with time, um, they change the mind about seeking help and they do come. Um, when they reach uh, contemplation and then later action phase, we call it action phase when they're really ready. So when they're ready for this rehabilitation, when they come to us and tell us, you know what, 
I'm tired of this life. You know, we need help. Then we have to get that medication. That medication is called, well, two, there's two types, basically. One, one is methadone and the other is suboxone, uh, which is very effective with, to get rid of that withdrawal symptom that we talked about. If you have this medication, then you're not going to suffer from the withdrawal. And if you have it on a regular basis, then, you know, you'll be clean. Mm. But it doesn't just work on its own. You have to be in a program to deal with the other psychosocial issues. You know, like um, Jason said something about him being divorced and that affected him. Now, we have to work with that to make him feel comfortable again and, and life still goes on, you know, even without the wife and so on. So emotional he, treatment. Emotional treatment, yes. Mm. So he must we get them back to that space where life is okay. And then he continues on medication for a while. Then we stop that medication and then continue developing this aftercare treatment, you know. There could be criticism that you're using, uh, you know, a drug to treat a drug. How addictive is that, uh, you know, injection in terms of can I, you know, leave my uh, addiction to heroin and take this injection and not get addicted to that injection instead? No, we, we don't we don't advocate this to go on forever. It's a period. You know, you got to do this only for 10 days maximum. But then because the the, the drug stayed in the system for for 10 days after that is not in the system anymore. So we don't advocate for them to be continuing with this uh, medication um, forever um, because it is addictive. Uh, methadone especially is highly addictive. In fact, there were more the methadone deaths in America than of the drug itself. So we, we don't really, I don't like methadone because it's highly addictive. But, but there is something else that is also being advocated, even in this country where pilot projects were done, where because of the relapse rate being high, you know, with the medication, we sort the guy out, he's in a program and then he leaves after three months and he's doing fine for one month later and then he relapses he's back to the square one. That's because of the nature of the drug as well. It is, uh, relapse rate is very, very high with heroin addiction, especially. Um, so there is an OST, opiate substitute therapy, being advocated where the guys will go on this medication forever. So even if he's replacing it, but he's living a normal life, you know, uh, he's not on, on sugars anymore. He's methadone, but he's leading a normal life. He can go to work. He's, he doesn't, there's no pains. He can build his family again. Um, it's called OST. Uh, they were a pilot program, but I don't think we can afford that yet. It already is happening in other countries as well, in the first world countries. Well, we're going to talk more about the medication that can be used to treat it, the policies that's around drug dealing in South Africa. But I'm going to go to the phone lines right now because we do have a caller. The views and opinions expressed on Newsbreak Talk do not represent those of SABC News or Lotus FM. We have Mr. Louis Pillay that's uh, on the line. A very good afternoon, Mr. Pillay. Good afternoon to you and good afternoon to Mr. Pillay, Sam Pillay and the listeners itself. I think, you know, we talk about drugs, and drugs is one of the biggest problems that we can ever have in South Africa. But looking at Chapsworth, it's only a tip of the iceberg. We welcome the defense force, the police force, the city police in decade flats. Now, here is a place that where drugs grow freely. Now, if you look at Elsie's River, Mitchell's Plain, and Dell, if you drive through Adele on a Friday night, or early Saturday morning between, say, upper six to upper seven, you'll see girls 13 years, 14 years lying on the road. And mm. you've got to avoid them by going around them. In, in that case, the drugs are free. In adults, you cannot control it because the people are moving freely with the drugs. But in, in case of then, I think the Phoenix Community Police Forum are the only one that had the Drug Awareness March, Crime Awareness March with placard demonstration. We used about 14,000 rand just on doing this awareness campaign. So maybe Sam can actually tell you about how it's going through the school levels as well. Thank you. Thanks so much, Mr. Pillay. We're going to talk about that. Peer pressure, Sam also spoke about that being one of the factors. Even Vashni saying that her son was introduced to uh, Dacha in grade 9 up until grade 12. And uh, he said, she says, he said to her, uh, no, I made it to my duty to speak to him. And she says she goes on to say from grade 1 now he is 
12 and she still speaks to him even at home about drug abuse. And I know the ADF even uh, started this placard demonstration. It happened on Friday. We'll speak to Sam about that. I know we have Salvan on the line as well. A very good afternoon, Salvan. I want you to please allow me. I'm so traumatized. About five minutes ago, five armed blacks attempted to rob my neighbor right now. And I wanted everyone on notice to know. Okay, Salvan, what we're going to do is we're going to get one of the producers and someone from the Lotus FM Bulletin Desk to call you. We are this afternoon, however, talking about drug abuse, substance abuse and the family tree, it becoming a family business and how it's ruining many lives in South Africa. I know we have Kanta Devi on the line. Uh, very good afternoon, Kanta. Hello, Talisha. Hi, Kanta. How are you doing? I'm okay, Ma. How are you? I'm well, thank you. What do you want to talk to us about when it comes to drugs and substance abuse? See, I'm a granny. My grandson, not nice to say, but he was doing drugs. Mm -hmm. I got hold of him. I gave him two hard smacks. And I sent him by his mother and father. And I said, listen, look at what this fellow is doing. Look at how he's doing drugs. He sold my jewelry. He took everything from my house and he was selling one by one. But you know, the good thing is when I when I confronted him and I took him by his parents and I told the parents, you know what this fellow is doing. He, he's coming right slowly, but still, you know, the friend is a very bad influence, ma. Very bad influence, the friend is. Now they moved him. They put packed him up. They sent him Joburg. He's working nicely, got a nice job and everything. But ma... I won't get my jewels back. I won't get all those things back. But, uh, you know, end of the day, that is all that matters is my grandson is alive. I don't care about the jewels and mm. all that. My grandson got new life now. Mm. Kanta, this must be very painful for you. You know, it is your grandson. And I know grandparents love their grandchildren more than sometimes they love their own children. You t- Take me through your experience because we also spoke to someone else, but I want to know from you, you're very emotional. How is your relationship with your grandson right now? She's staying there with my daughter in Joburg. He's his mother's sister. He's staying there in Joburg. We get along very well. We go, we keep an eye on him. We we, we look at him. We, we sent him for rehab one, two weeks. And then the rehab also he ran away. But you know, Ma, one thing I like about the rehab is they try and they put them right. So Sampele, what you're saying is right. What you're doing for the children is right. You must get them off the drugs. But it's not only in Chatsworth, Ma, it's Phoenix, it's mm. Newlands, it's everywhere. Drugs got no age, you, you know, no uh, uh, race, no nothing. It comes for everyone. And I, I like my grandson now. He listens now and he knows when he's off this thing, he'll get a better life. Definitely. Thank you so much for sharing your experience with us, Kanta. Welcome, Ma. And I want to tell all the grandmothers and grandfathers, you know, have faith in your children and your grandchildren. Don't, don't give up on them. If you want to, call them, talk to them, sit them down. If nothing works, take one stick from the tree and hit them and tell them, you know, <laughs> give up this sub thing. It's very bad. Well, definitely. Thank you for being such a great role model to us and the community, Kant. And we wish you all the luck when it comes to uh, your journey, your experience with your grandson as well. This is Newsbreak Talk on Lotus FM. I'm Talisha Naida. We're talking about drugs, substance abuse in particular, you know, the effect it's having on community and it becoming a family business. In fact, my guest today is Sam Pillay, the director of the Anti-Drug Forum. Stay tuned. We listen to the testimony of Kanta Devi, an emotional grandmother, but still to come, we're going to be talking to a mother who's also dealing with this where her son is now addicted to drugs as well so stay tuned well this is news break talk i'm talisha naido my guest sample director of adf is here with me we're discussing the uh, effects of drug substance abuse as well in the community it becoming a family business and a legacy that is just going to keep growing if we don't crack down on it sam uh, kantak devi talking uh, as well as mr louis pele about the 
harmful effect of drugs, you know, what it's doing to the community, how it's happening. Kanta giving an emotional testimony about how she dealt with her grandson. Uh, you know, she sat him down, she spoke to him, uh, but she also, you know, jokingly said, you know, if they don't listen, take a broomstick and start to hit them. Mm. I want to bring you in on that because um, you would be able to talk to us about tolerance levels when it comes to the uh, parents or the grandparents and maybe their children or grandchildren when it comes to substance abuse. Yeah, sure. Yeah, well, that's one good grandmother, I must say. You know, she doesn't give up, which is so good. Uh, but parents generally have different tolerance levels dealing with the addiction of their child. Initially, in most cases, there's um, denial. And once they get hang of it that it is real, most people will try to assist. They're not going to tolerate this. They will do whatever they need to, whatever they can afford to to help them, to get him off the addiction. Some people will even sell their car to do this. But some people will say, get out of my house. They're not interested because you broke the rules. You know what our family is about in terms of drug dealing or drug um, using. We're not going to accept. So different tolerance level from different parents. And, and we are asking for parents to be tolerant, give him a chance, but the problem also is that some people give them a chance in the wrong places. There's, because not all rehab centers know exactly how to deal with this. You know, somebody just said uh, somebody ran away from a rehab center. That's because they didn't do the proper treatment. They don't have the proper medication to kill the withdrawal symptoms. So this guy will hit the fence. You know, how do you identify a good rehab center? It's got to be registered. They are, that's the first thing. You've got to ask them whether they're registered with the DST. If they're not registered, then don't go to them. There are a lot of fly-by-night rehab centers. And, and the unfortunate thing is, these fly-by-night uh, rehab centers just do this to make money. But there are some religious organizations even open so-called rehab centers. They put some mm. beds in an empty house and call it a rehab center. But they don't have the proper facilities, the proper staff to deal with this. So they just charge 2000 rands a month uh, and, and they take these guys in. But they don't have a treatment plan in place. and So they go to these places because it's cheap or free. And, and they fail. And because they fail, and the guy is still back home, he's still stealing the jewelry, like Kanta said, mm. and the food from the fridge, um, and the baked beans from the grocery cupboard, they'll do all of that, and the parents get fed up. Then the tolerance level just decreases. Mm. And that's when they, they say, finally, you know, just get out of my house. And that's why, you know, I mentioned earlier on, there's thousands of them, uh, as they call them outers, because they're living outside the house. They all congregate in one spot. So... Tolerance level or dealing with it properly at the onset is very, very important. You know, you've got to seek advice, proper advice from the right people to understand how to deal with this effectively. Mm. That's key. Which also comes to the point when you're talking about dealing with it from the onset is, which you, your, was one of your first comments is peer pressure mm. and how it starts from a young age, dealing with it from that young age. How should parents actually interact with their children? Because sometimes you don't know if your child is actually, you know, taking drugs or, you know, addicted to even alcohol at a point. So how do you monitor your child? How do you speak to your child? What should a parent do? You know, one parent mentioned early on about having the conversation with the child because he was he experimented at an early age. That should happen in every home. That conversation should continue on an ongoing basis forever from primary school stage, and you have to keep them close to you. You have to, you know what happens, the trend is usually, you know, as the children growing up, you know, a baby, there's a lot of attention from all members of the family, and as it grows older, there's less attention given to that child. And primary school, in an early phase, you'll find that attention, but as it grows older, you'll find by high school, that attention is not there. They lose contact with the child, and that shouldn't happen. It's critical that the parent maintain that relationship with the child with lots of love and attention and, and grow with them. Mm. That's, that's lacking. And as much as sometimes the children themselves don't want to have anything to do with the parent, mm. that's because they lost that contact. So you're you saying it's good it. to, to understand where your child is at every year as All your child time. is growing? Ongoing. All the time.
Well, we're going to go now to the WhatsApp line because we're getting so many messages, even voice notes coming through, testimonies coming through uh, from some of those who are saying that they're dealing with it, they've heard of it, they've seen it, and they know about it. So we're talking about drug abuse, substance abuse, and my guest is the director of the Anti-Drug Forum, Sample A. The views and opinions expressed on Newsbreak Talk do not represent those of SABC News or Lotus FM. Well, one of the first messages is from Anonymous who says, I live in Morningside next to a drug dealer and a church. My house is only one on the street uh, of the rest are all businesses. I will never report these drug dealers simply because the police parade these spots every hour and collect a bribe. And the presence of the police protects me indirectly. Uh, Ramba Mudli from Phoenix says, all I want to know is what happens to all the drugs that are confiscated. Uh, Anonymous Another anonymous sending us a message saying, I live in Isapingo and I heard of a family selling drugs in the area. We often find members of the police hanging around on their premises. How can they not know that this family is dealing with drugs? I know of someone who lives in Shawcross. She feels that if she was attacked when she walked on the street where the drug dealers are, they would come to her aid. How then are we going to put an end to this? And that's from Anonymous. Um, another message coming through from Renee Pillay in Arena Park Drive who says, firstly, thank you, Sam, for always educating the public, especially the youth on drug abuse. And she goes on to say, now Dhaka is being legalized. Uh, I'm sure it becomes experimental amongst even the scholars. It's so sad that the effects of drugs uh, and drug addicts doesn't just affect the addict, but also the family as well. And these drug lords don't seem to care as long as they become rich. Uh, Sharon Naika saying, uh, she's listening to the topic and she's seen it firsthand. What these drugs do to children she says a nephew is a, uh, a drug addict and she never imagined he will do such things and now there's no help for him. Tried rehab, took medication that uh, we've been talking about and she said his addiction is just too strong when it comes to substance abuse as well as drugs. Joe sending us a message as well saying, I'm an ex-addict to crack cocaine. Believe me, when you're addicted, it's very difficult to stop. I've managed to stop with the help of family. Another name for this drug is eat some more because once you start, you'll want more and more. And that coming through from uh, Joe. Sam, quickly to bring you in on this point before I go to some of the voice notes is many of the messages we're reading. uh, What I'm finding in common is them saying uh, police are seeing all of this and police are doing nothing. What's your your opinion on that? Well, you know, when I first started the ADF in 2005 and when we offered assistance to the people afflicted with this problem, one of the first things I thought of doing was to go and get rid of all the drug dealers. You know, we were very naive in dealing with this problem. And when we had this whole circle of guys, 20 odd of them, and we, we in recovery, we got the names of all the dealers in the area. And we drew up this list and very excited went to the local police station to hand over the list. They said, there's guys, I'd go and get them. <laughs> it was that easy. Yeah. Well, police knew of the list already before we got there. It's not new. It's not a secret where drug dealers are. The police know exactly where they are. Mm. But when you ask them, why aren't they, why are they still there? Then they'll tell you the challenges. You know, when they get there, there's no drugs there because they're not going to be um, advertising the drugs, you know, on in, on the property. And there are different issues. This thing about um, SAPS members collecting bribes and so on, we heard that as well. You know, there are definitely some SAPS members that are doing this. They uh, will go there on a regular basis and collect their their fee for the day or whatever. Um, but there are some good cops, I must say that mm-hmm. also. You know, there are some guys who are very sincere about trying to get rid of the problem, but that too is not working because, you know, you hear some of big busts that happened. There was one uh, recently uh, in Phoenix for $2 million. A couple of months ago, there was one for $50 million. But what happens after that? The guys continue operating, while the case is supposed to be happening soon, but the case doesn't happen soon because there's challenges with that. If they, somebody get caught with drugs, they have to send the drugs for toxicology. In case then we don't even have a toxicology lab because it washed away in uh, heavy rains recently. So they have to send it to Pretoria. When that drug come, when that report come back is another story. So it gets taken off the roll. So some mm. of these guys just get away scot free. After all that work of arresting the drug dealers, there's no consequences, you know, of them stopping that business. So we have major challenges with with the system 
uh, is systemic and there's lots of gaps as well that we need to close and it's really frustrating dealing with this problem you know i was in pretoria yesterday talking about it mm-hmm. and even at that level there's a serious problem aside from anonymous saying listen she doesn't want to report it she indirectly feels protected by the presence of police other people saying you know this is a thing we're seeing them they're joining these families that are dealing in drugs how should they go about in reporting it what should they do well they have to they have to report it they can mm-hmm. call us you know um we also will only deal with the information that we get with certain people we won't mm-hmm. just go and tell everybody you know what we heard and who we heard it from so people are welcome to even call us and and we will filter that information to people that we trust you know they can do, do it anonymously yeah they can do it anonymously too so we can um, filter this kind of information to people that we trust you know we'll take it to effect uh, seriously mm-hmm. a voice note we receive now from uh, Pravina in Colenso good afternoon to the Lotus FM team as all, as we all know our South Africans and this drug business is a no go zone it shouldn't be uh permitted in south africa because if uh weed was um legalized so is other stuff so this is the kind of problem we faced because many people they steal to buy their for their cravings they steal they rob they rob homes they murdering the people because of the things that they get up to and uh especially in the big cities as in durban and joburg I think there should be a raid every month. Maybe this thing will come to a stop. Well, that's what we're talking about on Newsbreak Talk this afternoon. Uh, our Newsbreak Talk producer, Rachel Vardy, spoke to a 63-year-old mother from Phoenix, north of Durban, whose son is addicted to several drugs for over 20 years. He was 15 and in school, and that's when he started the drugs. and when i came to know that he was on drugs and the school wanted to expel him so i went to the school and i and i fought to them and i said you know every child need a chance so they said okay so i took him to sanka for outside uh, treatment and that never helped now he's is 35 years old my son is not an ordinary drug addict because uh, you know people may just say that uh, the weed is very calm and relaxing but one out of 100 is damaged and that is what he fails to understand because all his friends are smoking the weed and to add on to the weed more are the drugs that damaged his nerves is like three in one he came from a very disturbed background one number two he's on alcohol and drugs and the third thing is is he's diagnosed schizophrenic and he's on medication so how do you handle three things and that how is this affected you and the family it did affect the family uh very much but uh i feel that as you grow and you learn you see that it's better that your immediate family is not with you because sometimes they are very weak and they can't take it it's like a bad disease you don't have to be living with them but you have to be supportive from far away so you don't abandon the the mother and the child and that was a 63 year old mother from phoenix north of durban talking about her son who's addicted to uh, several drugs for over 20 years now i'm going to go to the uh, callers now who've been very passionate about the topic we have councillor tony gavender who's on the line a very good afternoon hi good afternoon and good afternoon to the listeners uh, and Uh, Sam, thank you very much. And I just want to say that you know we want to really commend Sam for the good work he's doing. And I also want Sam to know that he's not alone in this battle. Uh, he's got all the support of all the councillors from the Chatswood region. And you know, I, I just want to say, you know, what other people have been saying now, it's so true and so correct. You know, it starts from the home. Some parents do not sit with the children, and they do things. so sinister like you, know, you get some parents who are like you know they are young they want to go out and do their own things and they leave the children alone so this is where the children don't find that love and that attention of a family get together so this is where sometimes children are stepping out of line but just to hit it on chill i would like to say that the problem that we experiencing is this right we need the judiciary to be changed 
we need the you know the drug unit to be reinstated in all the Chatsworth and the Phoenix areas, because without these units, you know, that was there, now that they're not there, this is where there's a scourge of drugs that's been escalating. Hmm. And you know, all I want to say is this: we, you know, the, the Chatsworth police can only do so much. But yes, there are people, there are SAPS members I've confronted personally who has been seen at certain drug dealers, and I've stopped them and I confronted the the officers and I said to them, "What are you doing at this drug? You know, at this drug den?" And I've taken it up with the with, with the brigadier, you know, of the, of the Chatsworth police station. But all I'm saying is this: we as residents and as neighbourhoods, we need to partner with each another. We need to partner with the police, and we need to bring every person to the book. And what we need to do, and what we need to say is this. That we need more bus to take place and more definitely interaction and so forth. All right. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you so much, uh, Tony, and uh, great on you for taking a stand in the community as well. I'm going to go quickly to another caller, and that's Salim. Good afternoon, Salim. Well, that line there of Salim has just been dropped. Let's go to Ali. Ali is on the line. Good afternoon, Ali. Hello. Hi, Ali. Hello. Yes, you're on air. Oh, Salim. Uh, oh, Salim. Yeah. Okay, you can go ahead. Okay, see, drugs is a very serious problem, but not only South Africa, internationally. You know, government like in the Philippines and all are fighting this, and, you know, it's not an easy fight. You see, previously, drugs were outside the school. Now, they, they are running, you know, they run over inside the school. So, our young children, even our girls, are subject to these drugs. Girls have been put into such a position that they give them money, change their lifestyle, they become hooked to this, they become prostitutes, and, you know, terrible things are happening. Now, you ask yourself, what's happening to the community? Why are community are now protecting and standing and defending drug lords? It's because of the money that the drug lords are giving. They are making so much of money, those monies are used to purchase homes. They're paid for cash, by, you know, for the homes in cash. Transfers are not taking place, and the drug lords are now collecting rent. And later on, as time goes on, they slowly take transfer. Well, thank you. That's where we'll leave it there with you, Salim. Thank you so much for giving us your comment this afternoon. We have so much of messages coming through on WhatsApp, so many voice notes coming through. I'm going to try and get them uh, across on the program as fast as we can before we get to Sam to comment. I know he's been itching to to say so much more. Sam, just based on some of the callers that we've been getting uh, so far, uh, what is your feedback for that? The extent of this problem is huge. That's quite clear. And whether we are effective in dealing with it, we're not. That's quite clear as well. There's frustration from people. Uh, you, that's quite clear. And the, the problem is we don't have any political will to deal with this problem effectively. You know, we just uh, basically put out little fires. There is no real strategy to deal with this problem effectively. You know, you'll find some the police minister or the commissioner making statements. Those statements are mostly to appease people to keep them happy now we need to to strategize at, at different levels um, at national level you know how to really take this forward but also another point that came up is the local community i think you know we we heard so many times that people don't want to report because of fear of intimidation and, and victimization and even being murdered hmm. but i think if the community themselves in large numbers like the cpf this is a brand new idea that we have now just thinking about it now while uh, somebody was talking about maybe that CPF scan, that CPF Community Policing Forum or CPSF should identify all the dealers and they must know that they are being watched. They are known. That's maybe a new strategy that we can think about and how we can be helping the, the police because the CPF have to work with the police. Now, this, this can be a new approach. So those dealers will know that they are noticed and they are going to be dealt with by the CPF members themselves with the police. So there'll be accountability as well from both sides. Mm -hmm. Because if the CPF members are going to point out to police, you know what, we know this guy just opened a shop recently and those shops should be closed before they establish themselves. So the CPF members, because they're working in the community, will be able to identify uh, that particular new dealer 
and put pressure on that cops to actually SAPS members to go and close them down. I think we need to do that as well. You know, as community, take responsibility for ourselves because it's not going to happen uh, at, a, at a national level. You know, we, there we only hear comments about what is going to be done. Mm. We don't see action. Like somebody mentioned about the units. We talked about that for so long every day. We talked about specialized units and uh, beefing them up and giving them more resources and all of that. That's not happening. Um, in fact, there was one unit in, in KZN recently, very, very effective unit. We managed to get them back on track after they were disbanded. But they were taken away from their work recently to go and deal with land invasions, mm-hmm. you know, to go deal with the suspended minister, uh, the, the suspended mayor. You know, she, there were a whole lot of... Um, marches around that. So these guys were taken away to deal with that issue, mm. you know, and, and took them away from the real work. And it's very frustrating for those members who really want to make a difference here. Um, and I think, Sam, we're also incorrectly saying it's, it's it, a growing epidemic because it's not, it's grown. Oh, yeah. It's already there. there. So yeah. I think by community getting together, mm. you know, the Councillor Tony Governor mentioned it, being together, having the ADF, joining the ADF, partaking in such, you know, groups, protests, placard demonstrations, it's going to help the policing of the drug in South Africa. And Tony, Councillor Tony mentioned now we have his support. We must take that challenge then. We mm-hmm. must... We must insist on the support and thank them very much for that support mm-hmm. and then you know the wards that i'm talking about uh the cpfs in different areas maybe the council should get involved and in identifying these people and putting pressure now we're going to now rather than me as adf member one man taking this list to the station let's each area take this list to the station mm-hmm. and say this is what we find in our street and we're not we don't have too many streets in our cpf area so this is what we found what are we going to do as, as the councillor promised, I think what we're going to do, Sam, is get back to you in a, in a week or two time and hope uh, yes. maybe we'll get a list from you saying the councillor has come forward and brought this. Yes. We're talking about drug substance abuse on the talk show this afternoon. Stay tuned. When we come back, we'll get to the WhatsApp line and read some of your messages. This is Newsbreak Talk. I'm Talisha Naidu, joined by the ADF Director Sam Pillay. We're talking about drugs this afternoon. I'm going to go to the uh, WhatsApp line now. We have Vasanta from Savannah Park who says, uh, Hi, talking about drugs, I think there is no limit of drugs in our country because I lost my son to drugs. He got murdered and till this day, no closure has come. For five years, I still cannot close my eyes because what I saw the why he and why he was murdered uh it's just been very painful and that's from Vasanta in uh, Savannah Park uh going on from an anonymous a message saying i live in Amzinto there is no upliftment here parents uh it's so sad to see them cry uh for their children there is drugs in Amzinto and it's very bad Anonymous again saying, my grandson was involved with substance abuse three years ago. We took him to a rehab there and he managed to give up. He is clean now for two years. Today he remained with the rehab doing some work for them. Uh, Another message coming through from Anonymous again saying, hi, I'm a grandmother. I've been put on a drug for seven years. One day the pharmacist at a hospital picked up on it and I didn't know uh, they stopped it immediately and then I was in trouble. I was sent to a rehab and suffered very badly with withdrawals. I actually stopped the tablet and then became very ill and I went back to the doctor and fought with him when he refused to take responsibility. Uh, Sam, I want to bring you in on this because this is what we're talking about, substance abuse. It just doesn't have to be heroin or it doesn't have to be cocaine. It can be prescription prescription drugs drugs as well. Do you often deal with that? Yes, very very often. You'd be surprised how often. And that's another area that we don't talk about, but we should be talking about mm-hmm. prescription drugs because the cough mixtures, the, the still pain, they are opiate based. And if there's opiates in it, it's, it's, it's heroin. Same thing. And if you get addicted to it, the withdrawals are exactly the same. The treatment for it is exactly the same as being uh, treating, treating um, an, a patient for heroin addiction, prescription medication as well. And the sad thing is some doctors... Um, don't really take this into account when prescribing it for the period of how long they, sh- they should be taking it. Because hmm. after a period, anything that is addictive will result in addiction. And we have so many people on still pain addiction that one still pain or two still pain is not enough. The, the, the quantity will increase. We know of a guy who was taking 40 a day. 
oh. 40 still pains a day. And that's a whole new market, by the way. There's, there's dealers for still pain now. Yeah. So because you can't go to the pharmacy and buy 40 still pain, there has to be somebody selling this illegally somewhere. Mm. So we know of still pain dealers also. Back to the to the WhatsApp line, uh, an, another anonymous. Many people want to stay anonymous for this, uh, saying, please give us contact numbers for registered rehabilitation centers and thanks for the brilliant show. Uh, before we do that, I... I would think, Sam, maybe you could give the anti-drug forum yes. details. And then, we can refer them. Yes. And you can refer them. So uh, maybe, Sam, if you want to give us some of the details now. Our office number is 031-404-6993. Again, 031-404-6993. And our address is 17 Trisula Avenue. That's road mm-hmm. 602, next to Raj Put Hall, opposite the Chatter Stadium. Uh, they can visit us. We open from half past seven to four every day. And they're welcome to to visit anytime with any problem. Just a few minutes left on the program. I'm going to read a few messages before I give you your parting shot. Uh, Kasuri saying uh, thank you for you know help and education as well. She says at all times on these matters, it breaks her heart. She seen kid see she has seen kids lying in parks and pavements, and wish she could help them. Uh, and uh, just before we go, um, that would be this would be our last message. A message coming through saying um, our beloved counselors must get involved. Uh, in their councils and these areas, which they need to raise that awareness. And she said, let's talk about prevention in that way. What plans are in place? Sam, we're challenging today those counsellors. One has called through. Our challenge to them is come to the ADF with some of those names. What do you have to say? Your parting shot. Maybe we should meet with them and and look at the CPF idea or ward-based idea. And let's make different lists for different areas and deal with one at a time or separately rather. And let's see who... Um, who wins the battle in their particular area? Make it a competition. If you, mm-hmm. if you, um, and uh, no, I must thank them for that. And I think it's important to have new approaches. You know, we and we have to take care of ourselves. We cannot expect the government to be doing everything for us. We need to take responsibility for ourselves. And the most important thing is that education, education, uh, education, especially with the kids growing up, they have to start from kid. One the day he's born and you keep him close to you till the very last day. That's key. That's critical. Um, and, you know, like the, the smart club concept, th- that's why we created that smart club in schools to create this kind of education awareness amongst the learners on an ongoing basis. It's sustainable and, and there'll be an ongoing education awareness. And hopefully with that, as they grow older, they'll make the right decision. Thank you for joining us today, Sam, on the program. Uh, it's been a pleasure. This is Newsbreak Talk. I'm Talisha Naidu. The program comes away courtesy of the team led by executive producer Salma Patel and Newsbreak Talk producer Rachel Vardy. We'll see how we can try and coerce Sam to come back and join us again because an hour has not been enough <laughs> for the program. But thank you for your messages and for the calls this afternoon. We really do appreciate it. Uh, it's now time for a news with Sarration.